the farmer with Adele, and the Adele. Singer. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of ahead <laughs> of its time. So. <laughs> He's listening to the sad the music. Farmer the farmer is, and Adele. Adele. He marries Adele, <laughs> and that's his wife. <laughs> and that's the music that taught him how to feel. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Theoretical Nonsense, the Big Bang Theory Watch Along Podcast. No PhD required. We're the podcast that recaps all the episodes of The Big Bang Theory. No spoilers. So hop into your favorite spot, make yourself a grasshopper, and and enjoy enjoy the ride. ride. Hello there, Ryan. Hello, Rob. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Fantastic, because we are entering season three of The Big Bang Theory. We're breaking oh, yeah. down the electric can opener, can opener. Oh my god, the electric can <laughs> opener fluctuation. I'm so excited to be in season three. <laughs> Seriously, we made it this far. It's gone by fast. It's very fast, but very slow <laughs> at the same time. We're getting there. <laughs> For any new listeners out there, I'm Rob. This is my co-host Ryan. We are theoretical nonsense, the podcast that recaps, reviews, and deep dives facts from the Big Bang Theory, which we call IQ points. I've seen the series multiple times, but this is Ryan's first time watching, so we do our best to do no spoilers. Ryan has also been told he's very similar to Sheldon, so we keep a tally point of how close Ryan is to to Sheldon. I'm going to bring that up right now. Yeah, what was, uh, we, we finished season two, so how'd you finish off with season two? Season two ended with me 67 points, not like Sheldon. 70 points like Sheldon. I think in the last couple episodes, Sheldon had a couple of quirky moments that I related to, and he really uh, jumped up and beyond what I was expecting. I really thought I was going to end this season with uh, not being like Sheldon. So, Yeah, it was neck and neck all of season two, so we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Season three could turn the tides. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Well, a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Don't forget to send us an email at theoreticalnonsensepod at gmail.com. We'll read your email. Let us know what you think of season three. What are you most excited for? Remember, keep that no spoilers, though. Or um, did you just listen to our recap? Like, what what do you think of season two? What do you think of the series so far? We love engaging with you, so shoot us an email. Also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Theoretical Nonsense Pod. It's been a while since we've had an email to read too, so uh, yeah. I miss them. <laughs> yeah, did you forget about us? <laughs> yeah, what happened? We thought you liked us. <laughs> oh, it's, it's okay. We're we're trucking along, so it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> and also, Merry Christmas to everyone out there. This is actually Merry launching Christmas. right before Christmas, so oh, Merry Christmas yeah. and Happy Holidays. Happy Yule, festive Yule. Yeah. <laughs> okay, electric can opener fluctuation. Um, off the bat, I, I thought it was a pretty strong opener to season three. Uh, not my favorite episode ever, but not bad either. So, uh, yeah, strong, strong start. Some guest stars. I, I like the setup for what's to come. So. Air date September 21st, 2009. Writers Chuck Lorre, Bill Prady, and Steve Malaro. Director Mark Sandrowski. We end, or end, uh, we start, wow, uh, in the lobby. And the gang is finally getting back from uh, Antarctica, or the Ar- 
Antarctic, right? Uh, not Antarctica, the, the, the North Arctic. Pole, basically. Yep. Yeah. Um, and last time we talked about how we thought that they're probably ending up in North Alaska after um, some discussion about the different American U.S. Uh, research stations. But they get back and everybody has facial hair except for Sheldon. He has some really weird looking goatee. And He's very well groomed a, compared to everybody else. I, I didn't think he was groomed. I thought it was uh, that he just couldn't grow facial hair. It didn't seem that scruff looking though. So it seemed like it was a little bit more like well put together. Whereas everybody else is like kind of bushy, kind of scraggly and everything. Well, you can see this here. Um, my, I got I got some uh, facial bush. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to give myself a point not being like Sheldon here. I am a... Uh, yeah, bush face. Bush face. I've got bush face. And I think after a couple months in the Arctic, I would probably be looking more like this than I would like Sheldon is looking. So first point of the season goes to not Sheldon. And the guys are complaining... Um, that they finally made it through. And Sheldon mentions that he thought it was a hoot and a half. So he's like the only one who had fun. Uh, Short lived, but we'll get to that. And Sheldon's talking to his mom. Apparently he told her when he would call when he got home, but he doesn't consider getting home until he walks into the apartment. And he's starting to brag that he's going to get a Nobel peace prize. Right. Um, And apparently she asks if he could fill the church group praying for his safety. And he mentions that this is post hoc ergo propter hoc, which uh, I didn't count this as an IQ point, but that does translate to this for therefore that is basically a logical fallacy of just because event A happens before event B doesn't mean event A caused B. So I get a lot of this in uh, student writing um, that I have to grade and say, hey, you're making uh, cause and correlation assumptions. uh, And that's what's going on here. And so he says, no, I'm not sassing you with Eskimo talk, but that's actually Latin, right? So uh, (laughs) whatever works. Uh, And I I would say that that furthermore uh, guarantees or suggests that they are in Alaska, because as far as I know, in Greenland, there are no indigenous tribes at all. So or like in the middle of Greenland, like you can't survive there. So Alaska has more indigenous or she might just be making stuff up. So I, I don't know. I assume she was making stuff up. <laughs> making stuff up. Um, so uh, Leonard says he's going to go see Penny. And uh, Sheldon sits down in his spot and then sighs and says, Daddy's home. So even though he had his spot in the Arctic, uh, apparently it wasn't as good as his at-home spot. And Leonard says hi to Penny, and she, like, basically jumps on him and kisses him, right? And I, I laughed at this. Howard saying maybe he should have gone and told her they were back. And Raj says, yeah, it was a first-come, first-served type thing. <laughs> so I, I like that little banter. Um, but they're both still sitting there, like, their mouths are wide open, like, wow. That uh, I know. He's... All this, like, will they, won't they, that they, like, as an audience as an audience member, you're kind of like the same thing. So like they're, they're the audience in the show. So we were just as shocked too. We're like, Whoa. Right. And and we knew something was going to happen because last season ended with her saying, I don't want you to go. And he was saying, you hugged me for a little bit longer than was typical. 
and he liked it mm -hmm. um but he didn't think that she was really into him that much so uh it shows that she was into him and like you said uh before that if she had said anything at all it could have uh put a problem on him actually going and making something more with his career that this was a chance of a lifetime so um you know, I thought about that more and I do kind of respect that to put your heart at, on the side and say somebody needs to do something with themselves. Uh, so I can see why she kissed him when he got back. <laughs> yep. Okay, so we're back in the apartment and Sheldon's saying that he's going to give Raj and Howard a footnote in his memoir and possibly a signed copy, right? <laughs> because he couldn't have done it without them, basically. Um, kind of a dick move. They did a lot, I'm sure. Really dick move, so you can't feel so bad with what's going to happen. <laughs> and they need to tell him something about the North Pole. And Sheldon mentions, if this is about the night the heat went out, and Howard says, we're never supposed to talk about that again. <laughs> I love that this runner throughout the entire episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great... Uh, what would happen if the heat did go out? And you know, they, they did what you're supposed to do. I mean, uh, from what I know, I remember watching, um, what was it? The voyage of the minnow or something in elementary school. Our teacher showed us this, um, movie or series that was about a boat that was going to Antarctica and something went wrong. I mean, it's been probably 25 years since I watched this, so I'm probably misremembering or messing it up. But I remember there's a part where somebody falls into the ice and they have to, I can't remember if it was a girl or a guy, but they have to warm them up. And so they all get naked and get into a sleeping bag. I'm like, wow, they're <laughs> naked in there. Oh, my, uh, but oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, this is, this is porn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it didn't show anything, though. We just all knew. Uh, but that's how they say you knew what was life. happening down there. <laughs> I knew we all knew. <laughs> so uh, apparently they slept naked together and Raj saw it as a bonding moment. Very positive. Yeah. I like that. That made me laugh quite a bit. I saw this bonding moment. Yeah. That's something and, you can't uh, undo. <laughs> you can't You're bound for life after that. <laughs> Apparently, during the first week while they were up in the Arctic, they weren't getting the results that they were supposed to. And so something happened, and, well, I also like that Howard's trying to make this sound sweet. So he says, in the first week, you were acting like a dictator. <laughs> and Roger's like, I thought we were going to do it nice. And goes, that's why I added tater. So <laughs> apparently it was worse than the dictator. Yeah. And it turns out that they started getting false positives because there was an electric can opener setting off static. And all the data that Sheldon had recorded the whole time was um, caused by an electric can opener. So all of his information, what he thought he had done and accomplished, goes out the window. And so Sheldon asked, did Leonard know? Apparently it was Leonard's idea. And... We shoot to Penny's apartment where she's telling him how much she misses him. And they're, and they're getting a lot on heavy. And then we hear Sheldon's knock. Knock, knock, knock. Leonard. Knock, knock, knock. Leonard. And he says, I'm busy. And so apparently, well, I also like that. He whispers, 
what what is he? Oh, there it is. Uh, whispers don't make a sound, but apparently Sheldon can hear that. And he goes, "Whispering don't make a sound is making a sound." He goes, "Damn his Vulcan hearing," which they mentioned so earlier I, too. <laughs> they mentioned earlier too. I forgot to put that in, but um, they as he was walking away, they said it, and apparently he has Vulcan hearing. But I did a short IQ point on this um, because I didn't realize Vulcans had better hearing. And apparently there's a little discrepancy in what gives them better hearing or from what I was seeing. I don't know. Um, but for according to comic book resources, CBR.com, in the original series, Star Trek, um, the original series, season two, episode 22, Return Tomorrow... They talk about how Vulcans have better hearing than humans because they grew up they grew up. They evolved on a planet that was harsher than Earth and it required them to have better senses and skills. Uh, they also have pointy ears and some people debate whether or not the pointy ears give them better hearing as well. But as far as I could tell, the pointy ears have nothing to do with their hearing. That was a stylistic choice. And potentially larger ears like that could help with hearing, but it's really based on their evolution as a species on a more daunting, uh, tough, rough and planet that they evolved upon. So a little IQ point. I'm, I'm going to count that as IQ. We'll count it. So Panny answers the door and... Sheldon, he, he makes a snide co comment, and I didn't completely understand why he would uh, lash out at her, but says something about interrupting her poor decision-making, and that like also kind of, I don't know, hit me the wrong way, because as the audience, we're all rooting for Leonard and Penny to get together, and as Leonard's friend, I, he might be mad at him, but there's nothing wrong about this decision-making at this point, so I thought that was kind of uh, distasteful on Sheldon's part, but anyway, he was mad and he was kind of lashing out. It, it's not excusable, but at the same time, it's like, eh, it happens. We've all been there. That's true. Yeah, I don't think she deserved it, but he asks Leonard if he has anything to say about what he did. And this made me laugh. Leonard says he needs to be left alone so he can face self-criticism and repentance. <laughs> And they hadn't even said, like, what he had done. He just said, leave me alone so I can self-criticize and face repentance. Sheldon explains to Penny about the fake information. And then... Leonard explains that it's true, but if they hadn't made Sheldon happy, they probably would have killed him. There were already plans in motion. One was to throw his Kindle outside and just lock him out and freeze him to death. And that was the better option because they are also thinking about strapping him to dog sleds and saying mush as they ripped his limbs apart. So there, there were several plans. And as we know from last season, uh, the last episode, Howard was making a bow and arrow, right? No, crossbow. That's what it was. Sorry, was I muted? <laughs> You were muted. <laughs> oh, I was going to say the the dog sled thing seems more brutal, but at the end, it, it seems more instantaneous, though. Would I don't know. Be? Because... Like, if all of his limbs got ripped off at the same time, would he just instantly go into shock, whereas freezing to death is a little bit more slow? 
but from what I hear, freezing to death's like not that bad. Like that and drowning, like it's kind of calm and it's not great, but you kind of just go to sleep. Uh, yeah. And having your appendages ripped off. <laughs> yeah, I've oh, heard no. that freezing to death, it's, it, it takes longer, but then you get into that state where you almost, your body actually starts feeling warm and then you start feeling yeah. calmer and then you go to sleep. But it just seems mm-hmm. so drawn out. Whereas like the limb thing, it just seems like done, you're dead. But then again, you uh, could probably survive. <laughs> I, I've heard that like even getting your head cut off, um, like apparently your brain's functioning for a couple seconds after that happens. And so in theory, you can see your body detached from your head before you actually go to black. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I don't know. Maybe the limbs won't kill you instantly, but <laughs> okay. Fr- freeze to death. It is. <laughs> right. I don't, <laughs> that really puts things into perspective. <laughs> it's terrifying. So they had several ways to kill him. I, I would say both are better than a crossbow wound that would get infected or whatever. But, you know, um, maybe if it was a headshot, it'd be instant. So they also kept their original data. And Leonard's like, you can publish it. You still accomplish. We didn't erase anything. But Sheldon's irritated because he's already sent out emails bragging about what's gone on. And Leonard's like, well, just send them an email saying you got things wrong. And Sheldon still thinks it's a really big deal. And leaves. And Penny feels kind of bad, which I feel kind of weird about since he made that comment about her making poor life choices uh, when he first walked in. Yeah, he was actually really rude to her, like, all episode. Because she got him the pie a little later, too. And then he kind of, like, mocked her and everything. Like, she's been nothing but nice. And he's kind of a dick. He's being very childish. And he wasn't even, like, part of the decision. She wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't, she wasn't there. there. She, yeah. She would have been the one that and, threw out the Kindle, let's face it, if she was there. Right. <laughs> yeah, at the end her. of the day, she probably would have initiated the killing session. <laughs> <laughs> but she follows him and sees him crying, and she tries to help, right, by um, singing Soft Kitty, and he goes, that's for when I'm sick, not sad. And I'm like... Again, she's just trying to help, but he also makes a comment about missing Comic-Con and uh, yeah, mentions that he didn't have a sad song when he was uh, a kid. And I, I was going to look into some sad songs, but uh, that kind of turned into a failed IQ point because they were songs that I hadn't, I don't know, I think Joni Mitchell was like the top one that I saw regularly and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So if you Google college. search sad songs, Joni Mitchell's is is the top hit she's like known for uh even like what in love actually right yeah. they mentioned uh joni mitchell uh taught the woman to actually feel anything right for me it's uh, i guess our generation it's it, it's adele. adele kids don't know joni you know, mitchell uh, what's her name uh i'm gonna look this up the woman who uh did the ghost in the shell series soundtrack yoko kano kano and she's done like a lot of other anime soundtracks, video game soundtracks. She also does her own jazz, but I'm thinking whenever I'm sad, she's what I go to. And she reminds me of like the dreariest days. Uh, she has happy music too, but for the most part, um, I feel like she taught me to feel. <laughs> and that was before Adele, before Adele came out. So <laughs> Adele wishes she was her. But not really, Yeah. 
Adele's good enough. Yeah. She has her own thing. <laughs> I guess she's popular, and I guess she made yeah, it. I guess. I guess. I guess she's good. I don't know. She can sing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that turned out to be a failed IQ point. And um, Penny says that she knows how he, Sheldon feels. And, again, he's a, a dick and says, what, were you going to win a prize in wait, Nobel Prize in waitressing? And she's still very nice and mentions that in high school, she heard that she was going to be the head cheerleader. And it turned out that somebody else got the position. Valerie so Mosswalker. That's when her mom made the first pie, right? The celebration pie. Celebration pie. Apparently it tastes really good, but it's no Nobel Prize. And Sheldon, again, throws another snide comment in there saying, uh, did you really think you were fit to be a cheerleader? Which I didn't even get because as far as cheerleaders go, I could completely see her being a cheerleader. Yeah, I guess he's not. I guess he's commenting that she's failing at cheering him up. I didn't pick that up, yeah, but it's, yes. It's like, dude, stop okay. being a dick. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense for the joke. I was just like, why would he be criticizing her being a cheerleader? But it's because she's not cheering him up. Um, wow, I wonder why that went over my head. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So um, now I answer my question, why would she not be? So Penny hesitates and then mentions it's like the new Star Trek movie where Kirk has to take over the ship and tell Spock a bunch of lies to make him feel bad so that can save the day, I guess. And Sheldon breaks down crying, says he missed Comic-Con and the new Star Trek. So it's making things worse. But I was most shocked that Penny actually went and saw Star Trek. That, too, and I actually did a little IQ point on this because it didn't make sense to me. That she would see it? <laughs> no, oh. when it came out. Oh, but, oh, like, the, it kind of coincided. I actually did the same, um, actually, wait, yeah, you're right. Because I did a little bit of research on this, too. On, like, when it actually came out and how it coincided with the Big Bang Theory. What'd you get for it? So, I it was the reboot that I'm pretty sure they're talking yeah. about in 2009. So, I looked into when it released and if it actually tracked with the timeline of Big Bang Theory. It kind of coincided. So, season two ended on May 11th. 2009 mm -hmm. and then season three started september 21st 2009 whereas star trek the rebooted movie launched april 6 2009 so theoretically it would have been in theaters because it was a month before they departed but it doesn't make sense that they didn't go see it i think that is that what Weird. you're doing it yeah i i had may 8th but what? April is even worse because if it was April, they they would have gone seen it like opening night or at least that weekend. Wait, where where did I get April then? Where did I get May? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it actually launched in December. <laughs> it was actually in two thousand eight. <laughs> Wikipedia uh, says the first air date. April 7th at the Sydney Opera House. So that must have been like the... Thing. Premiere? Premiere, yes. That's the word. Man, I am dense today. Well, let's just sum it up to I looked at the wrong date. 
I think it's just it was the premiere, uh, so I think they would have had a chance to see it. And again, the uh, last episode for season two aired May 11th, which means that they didn't leave till like the end of May. They, I think they would have seen it. Uh, it's very possible geez. that they would have made the time to go see it. But at the same time, same. they did have to a lot to pack, and they had when a Nobel Prize is at their reach, I guess they'll skip it. But then he made it seem like it the way he worded it like i missed i missed star trek like it he it sounded like it launched somewhere while they were gone yeah yeah and like he didn't even know it was coming like he knew it was in development but not that it was coming out but he would have known so uh so small iq point but i think it's a fair iq point because uh time is problematic yeah well either way the most (laughs) unbelievable thing is that penny went and saw it without them yeah you know if they had been there um you know i I remember it being kind of an action blockbuster but still it's penny so i I feel like i feel like she probably would have waited for them because she knew they would drag her to it anyway so yeah i'm trying to think of like God, does she actually not know what a lot of these like movies are or watch them? Because as an up and coming actress that Penny wants to be, you'd think that she'd watch as many movies as possible, like regardless of like genre. Yeah. So maybe she did go see it just as like an acting, like, you know what? It's a popular film. I'm trying to be an actress and everything. So let's just see what this is all about. Or maybe she missed Leonard and it reminded her of him. Mm -hmm. So she was doing it because she felt sorry and made her feel closer. That's true. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a lot of what ifs. A lot of speculation here. (laughs) Yeah. Romance is weird. It could happen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So moving forward, they are in the cafeteria and Howard apparently just has a mustache now. And Raj says that he likes it. Howard's calling it the Clooney. And Raj says, I call it the Mario and Luigi. (laughs) It's a good point. Uh, It does look kind of like Mario. They start talking about Sheldon. And apparently Sheldon came out the night before wearing Darth Vader's helmet and tried to use the force to choke Leonard. And Howard says that his genitals want to know if him and Penny did it. And he goes, tell your genitals it's not their business. It did make me laugh. Howard looks down and says, they didn't do it. (laughs) I laughed at that too. (laughs) (laughs) Because it says, you know, uh, Leonard is acting high and mighty and classy, but if they had done it, he would let them all know, right? Yeah, let's face it. We do that. It's too exciting to hold it back. Yeah. And she probably would let her friends know because it's it's a big deal. Yeah. And as we see at the end of the episode, it's going to be a bigger deal. So Sheldon comes in and starts to do the force choke and Raj starts to act like he's choking. And I, I like that out of Raj. Uh, he's like, I felt bad for the guys. He's <laughs> I went a along good with friend. Him. He's a good, good friend. And Leonard uh, tries to apologize again. And we have the guest parents, Barry Kripke, right? Coming in and making fun of Sheldon. And he says that he saw the retraction email and says people must have been pointing. Oh, that's right. Uh, Sheldon mentions that he feels like people are pointing and laughing at me because of that. And Kripke goes, no, no. They've been doing that your whole life. 
I'm like, that's kind of a jerk move, but I could see somebody like Kripke's not known for being a nice person, right? Yeah, he's so. not a friend. He's obviously like, nobody yeah. likes him. He doesn't like them. And yeah, he's an asshole. His robot killed their robot. Yeah. <laughs> so Sheldon uh, gives a speech, admits he's had a setback, but there's no such thing as a failure in science. And I, I like that positive thinking. I don't know if he actually believes it. He says there was once a man who referred to the prediction of a cosmological constant as a the biggest blunder of his career, and that man was Albert Einstein. And I get into an IQ point here. Did you do anything on this? I did. I did the same one. Take over. I want to hear what you have. All right. So I, well, both of us looked into um, Einstein's biggest blunder. So I didn't know what this was, and this is a kind of an explanation of what it was. It's talking about the cosmological constant. And I found out that this information on Wikipedia, Forbes, Big Think, and Live Science. So it's very well known in the science world of this blunder. <laughs> in 1915, the cosmological constant is a created or was created as a constant value that was added to the field equations of general relativity. Oh my God. We're, <laughs> we're having a hard time talking tonight. It's a tough day. This uh, starting season three is just too I much. Know. On like, us. Our, our brains are exploding. <laughs> well, it was added to the field equations of general relative relativity in order to balance the calculations. At the time, it was believed that the universe and all the galaxies were static, neither expanding nor contracting. But Einstein's work suggested that gravity would cause it to do one or the other. So, to mesh with the scientific consensus, Einstein inserted a fudge factor, denoted by the Greek letter lambda, into his results, which kept the cosmos still. Yet a little over a decade later, the American astronomer Edwin Hubble noticed that the galaxies were actually moving away from us, indicating the universe was expanding. Einstein called Lambda his greatest mistake. Hubble's observations negated the need for a cosmological constant for decades. But that changed when the astronomers examining distant supernovas in the late 1990s discovered that the cosmos was not only expanding, but accelerating in its expansion. They named the mysterious anti-gravity force required to account for this phenomena dark energy. In the 1920s, Russian physicist Alexander Friedman developed an equation, now called the Friedman Equation, which describes the properties of the universe from the Big Bang onward, according to an online tutorial from Georgia State University. By dusting off Einstein's lambda and plugging it into the Friedman equations, researchers could model the cosmos correctly, that is, with an accelerating expansion rate. This version of Friedman of the Friedman equation now forms the backbone of the contemporary cosmological theory, which is known as Lambda CDM, where CDM stands for cold, dark matter and accounts for all the known components of reality. So just like that, Einstein was right all along, but too bad it was he wasn't alive to actually see his mistake be corrected. And it's, um, from my understanding, I, I looked at Scientific American, um, it's basically he didn't 
realized that the universe, the Big Bang Theory, right, is pushing or started pushing things away from each other. He thought everything was static and still. And so he was like, ah, this creation, this constant doesn't make sense. But with it being pushed away from each other, it does make sense. It explains everything. So like you said, he wasn't alive for seeing that there is actually a reason for having this and why it exists. Uh, the other thing I wanted to add to that was I found on Scientific American that Russian scientist George Gamma claimed Einstein said it. But there's some debate whether Einstein actually ever even said that. It just kind of became famous for him saying it, and other scientists have been accredited the same saying, but he may not have been the one who said it, uh, but there is still the notion that he created this constant and had no understanding of, or some confusion over why it was there and if it was a mistake or what was going on because of the acceleration of the universe expanding. So, yeah. Nice. And now we know a little bit more. A little bit more about Einstein. Okay, so... They mentioned research proved Einstein was right all along, which means Sheldon's research still proves he's wrong. Still and, a loser. Uh, oh, sorry. A woozer. Yeah. A woozer, right? <laughs> That's, um, and Sheldon says to check an email for a retort because he can't think of one. <laughs> which he, and I appreciate that. He did that to <laughs> Leslie in season one, I think. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounded familiar because she was just too quick and witty for him to yeah. keep up with. So he's like, look for an email for yeah, me. When I think of the right thing to say. Yeah, when I think of it. And so there looks like there's going to be no more friendship with Sheldon. And Raj says, they'll always have that night the, the heat went out. <laughs> I like the reference back to that. And Raj yeah. is so, like, it's a good bonding experience. Yeah, he has a positive <laughs> outlook on it. <laughs> uh, and so they're back so at... Before oh, we move on, um, we skipped over something that I looked into. Um, oh, yeah. When they approach Sheldon and he's kind of... When he rejects their friendship, he's like, I don't... Like, I have no friends. I'm the proverbial cheese. I stand alone. I didn't know what he was talking about. I did not know what, like, proverbial cheese, what what cheese is he talking about? And why does he stand alone? You know, alone? I've heard that before, but now that you mention it, I don't know either. Yeah. What was it? So I looked into that because I was like, what is he talking about? Tell me more about this cheese and can I eat it? <laughs> the cheese stands alone. The yes, stands it alone. is. <laughs> and I know a Dario. That's yeah. So I did not know what this meant. I've never heard this until Big Bang Theory. I never looked into it. I've heard about it because every time I rewatch this episode, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But what I never looked into cheese? it. But it's exactly I what like you cheese. Said. <laughs> it's from the song The Farmer and the Dell. It basically is a reference to being the odd man out, which is also a game. And it first appeared in writing in 1826 in Germany, where it was taken to America in 1883. Um and the game, if you're interested in how to play the game, um, the game goes on as such. All the children stand in a circle with one child in the center who plays the farmer. The farmer chooses another child as the wife, who chooses another child as the son or the daughter, 
who chooses a nurse, and so on. The last child chosen is the cheese. The cheese doesn't choose uh. anyone and stands alone in the center of the circle. So this sounds like a terrible game that gives children horrible self-esteem. It's being picked last for sports. You know, it's like, what the fuck? Right? <laughs> it's like, uh, but it's not even a sport. It's just, it's just you're last. You're last. <laughs> no one chose you. Woozer. <laughs> but I never heard this. I mean, I guess I've heard bits and pieces of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are different variations of it and everything. So pardon my terrible singing, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> Go for it. Um, Sing I'm, for us, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes like the farmer in the dell. The farmer in the dell. Hi ho, the dario. The farmer in the dell. The farmer takes a wife. The farmer takes a wife. Hi ho, dario. The farmer takes a wife. And then it goes on to the child, the nurse, the cow, the dog, the cat, the mouse, and then the cheese. And the cheese. And I, I just want to clarify you're saying the farmer and the dale, like a bird? The dell. The farmer, the dell. Uh, the farmer in the dell. So it's not the farmer and Adele. It, <laughs> it said um, the lyrics I found was in the Dell, not Adele. In the Dell, not a, in it's the not Del. with the per, like the farmer with and Adele, the Adele. Singer? Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of ahead <laughs> of its time. So. <laughs> He's listening to the sad the music. Farmer the farmer and gets Adele. Adele. He marries Adele, <laughs> and that's his wife. Yeah. And that's the music that taught him how to feel. Yeah. <laughs> Farmer and Adele. Yeah. I'm never going to listen to that the same again. <laughs> but that's where I learned that she stands alone. That makes sense. Like, I forgot I even knew that song until you started talking about it. I'm like, wait, I do know a little it's, bit about this. It's funny because it's a nursery rhyme and it must be very old because I've never like with all the stuff that I've been watching with Hunter and everything like that, this song has never mm-hmm. popped up. Well, let us know in the comments. I know, uh, <laughs> Tim, if you're out there, you got a little one. Do you know this song? Did you sing this to your kid? <laughs> he he created it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the farmer and his He's child is Adele. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> It all makes sense. <laughs> he is the farmer. <laughs> wow. Okay, so we are at Penny's, and uh, Leonard gives her a gift. She has no idea what it's. she's looking at. It's a little slide. But apparently it's a snowflake from the North Pole, and I thought that was really cute. And I also did an IQ point into... how this works. I did too, but did I just it? took the last one, so... Go, Fair yeah. enough, I'll take over. I, I think it's funny because Leonard says all these big words. Uh, what's he said? 1% polyvinyl acetate resin. Uh, Sinocrylates are monomers, which polymerize. He's talking about super glue. Elmer's super glue. Elmer's <laughs> super glue. I looked at popsci.com, and you can actually do this at home. You get a slide, and um, you have to have... The runny thin glue, gel glue doesn't work, but you get the runny super glue. And apparently super glue uh, is what's called monomers. And as they harden, apparently vapor, water vapor triggers them to harden. They start to form or what 
they say is polymerize and harden and stick together. And apparently because it's water vapor that triggers it, that's why it dries on your, you know, I say dry, but it's vapor, water vapor that causes it, hardens on your skin more quickly than on what you're gluing together. And so what you do is you catch a flake on the slide, you put a drop of super glue on it, you put a cover over it and you throw it in the, you probably don't throw it, uh, put it in the freezer for two weeks because what you're looking for is that super glue to harden without or before the snowflake melts. So you have to be really careful to make sure that, I guess if you're in the Arctic, you just leave it outside, but it hardens and the glue fills in all the nooks and crannies of the snowflake and preserves the actual structure of it. And so I, yeah, I thought it was funny that he was using all these big words, but it's, yeah, super glue that snowflake together. Yeah, like it does not require a lot of materials to do. Anybody could do it. So the next time it snows, you don't need a lot of, like there, there are certain things that will help the process, like having a dark sheet of paper and stuff like that. Mm. So you could actually see the snowflakes better. And remember to keeping <laughs> every material like needs to be as cold as possible. Like you want to freeze yeah. everything. Like like put your your microscope slides in the freezer. Um, um, the site that I said was um, you could use a paintbrush as a way to kind of like move the snowflakes from one area to another without having to touch it and everything because your hand will probably be too warm, and then it'll melt it. That's what this place said tweezers, but I'm like, I'd break it. Oh, like yeah. trying to tweeze some snowflakes. Yeah. Like I couldn't do Apparently, that. Apparently, like um it with a with a fine tip paintbrush, you should be able to just kind of touch and grab like a snowflake and move it around. That actually makes a lot more sense than tweezers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like make sure you wear gloves so so you don't insulate heat. Uh, make sure everything's frozen, the paintbrush, the slides, the paper, everything as cold as possible. And then, yeah, it's like you said, just uh, once you get it, put it on the slide, drop that super glue on it, cover it, and then there it is. <laughs> so that could be a, that was like, um, that's a solid move. A snowflake from the North Pole. That is, uh, that's romantic. Yeah. I appreciate that. I also have to say, when he said polyvinyl acetyl, uh, acetyl resin, it reminded me of being a kid and a project that we did was uh, take resin and did you ever do this where like you put flowers in a cup and then you pour resin over it and you pull the cup apart and it's like a block of flowers that are preserved forever? No. No? Uh, I, I don't remember when I did that or why I did that, but I remember the freaking smell of the resin. It was like super glue smell and it was like... All the kids were like, whoa, they're like, high. Yeah, I'm going to sniff um, this along with these markers, too. <laughs> these flowers smell real good. <laughs> I can see them floating around now. <laughs> we're all floating. <laughs> okay, so that's the snowflake. Uh, Raj and Howard um, come in and say Sheldon has run away. Sheldon's mom has called and said, um, Sheld yeah, has gone home to Texas and someone needs to talk to him. So Leonard does the best friend thing and says, Howard and Raj, you go and I'll stay here if he comes back. <laughs> and so, you know, but Howard also is... said red alert. I was surprised he didn't say code red. 
Oh, <laughs> I missed that. But yeah, which is an IQ point from a previous episode. Yeah, um, the materials turbulence. And it heads up. It has something to do with Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. Something. Mountain, it's the Dew. <laughs> do the Dew. Do the Dew. Coat red. So Penny pushes Leonard into going. You know, she's being the sweetheart here, even though Sheldon was not very nice to her. Raj agrees Leonard can't catch a break. So apparently he's noticing that Leonard is not getting the extra minute of peace and quiet to uh, figure things out with Penny. But who cares? So they are in Texas. Well, I love that and... Mrs. Cooper actually calls Leonard, too. And it's like, <laughs> and he's, you can just hear the conversation going like, <laughs> you know, it's your fault, right? Yes, I know it's yes. pretty much my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't blame him too much because the, the alternative was killing Sheldon. So <laughs> you could have a dead son right now. Yeah, we did you a favor. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Mary Cooper guest stars again, Laurie Metcalf, right? Yeah, I think, is it Metcalf? Is that how you pronounce Calf? it, Metcalf? Metcalf? Um, Metcalf? I've always said Metcalf. I'm, I'm horrible at pronouncing anything, so I don't trust what I say. I guess we could have looked <laughs> um, up an interview and seen how they said, said her name, but... My name is Ryan. 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 Anyways, uh, Mary Cooper guest stars, and she's always a hoot and half, as Sheldon would say. Mm -hmm. um, I like her. And they're eating dinner, and they have to pray before they eat. And I get a point for being like Sheldon here, because she goes, was that really so hard? And he goes, my objections weren't based on considerations other than or were based on considerations other than difficulty. And that is... Uh, you know, I feel like I'm not super religious or spiritual, but I have an issue with being forced to pray or sing before I eat dinner. And it is, uh, yeah, difficulty praying before a meal. I, I bite my tongue quite a bit, but it it feels weird. It's difficult. Uh, I, I think it stems from story time. So my parents... My dad's an atheist. Uh, my mom was raised Catholic, but not very religious. Did I ever tell you about this? They sent me to Bible camp? Maybe you did. It doesn't sound familiar, but sometimes I don't pay attention. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce names. So <laughs> we all have our struggles. <laughs> they sent me to Bible camp, and uh, which is weird because I don't think I knew it was Bible camp when I was going. It was like an overnight summer camp for a couple weeks. And my dad's an atheist, so I'm sure he was just laughing all the way to the bank. Like, uh, Ryan's got to go to Bible camp. And my mom's like, whatever. Um, and I remember they made us sing before eating. And I don't know why, but that has, uh, like, if we didn't sing, we couldn't eat. Or maybe in my mind, that's what it was. They're probably nicer than that. But to this day, I associate with, like, a... Uh, almost like I go feral. Like you're going to make me sing before I eat. You're going to make me pray. I'm just going to take my food and run. <laughs> like, <laughs> is that what you did when you were a kid? You just grabbed it and ran. Uh, I ran the pantry. I think, 
I think I ran one night. I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to eat. So I just like left the dining room. <laughs> like I was, uh, I have issues with authority like that. I think. So how uh, dare you tell me what to do? Make me, I don't have to sing for my food. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I still have, uh, that's just made it worse in my head. Um, I, I don't like, so anyways, uh, my objections are based on considerations other than difficulty because it's not hard to sing or pray before a meal, but there are other objections. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's my story time. One point for being like Sheldon there, because I don't think anybody else would have as much of a problem as he did. Uh, well, I did, so he thinks I his... did enjoy that scene just because I do like seeing the relationship between him and his mother. Like it's definitely some, you could definitely tell that there's a lot of history like with that, like he knew the words like so well, he knew what was coming and everything. So it's like, uh, you you dive into his past a little bit. Like that's right. You know, I didn't make a, much of a note of that, yeah. but he finishes her sentences. She like stops and he has to finish yeah. every phrase. Like, I know it's a small scene, but it kind of unpacks so much of, of their history and their relationship. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he thanks his mom for carving a smiley face into the grilled cheese, and she makes a racist comment saying, uh, it's, what, kind of squinty eyes, so you can uh, imagine the sandwich is Chinese, right? Um, As an Asian, I will say, I laugh my ass off on that. So, <laughs> I, I, What made me laugh was Sheldon cringing. Yeah. Like, yes, like he kind of gives this look like, God. Like, mom what the hell <laughs> yeah, and i think so... that's why I, it was i was okay with it too because the the writers were very self-aware like oh that's not appropriate that's uh, exactly right not uh but also she she's a pretty nice person so you know she doesn't mean bad but at the same time like jesus <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah good point um so they talk about um what happened and why he's so upset and he mentions the neighbor kids making fun of him because they didn't realize that they were just angry that he was so smart and she looks at him and says oh honey they knew why they hated you <laughs> <laughs> it's honest but it, it's true so it was funny um now we're in a car and the gang are driving and they've caught a red eye right and they're driving in to get Sheldon. And apparently Howard has bought a red cowboy hat. And I like, he goes, well, it has to match my red turtleneck. Plus it was the only one in my size, right? <laughs> so, um, and Raj mentions that this is not the Texas he grew up seeing in movies. So he's really confused. But Leonard mentions that uh, Costco over there probably has steaks for sale. So... They're all kind of out of touch and out of base in uh, Texas, right? Yeah, I wanted to look up the... I forgot to highlight this, so I wanted to look up what these movies were, but I didn't get a chance to. Uh, the the movies that Raj watched, uh, Four for Texas and Yellow Rose of Texas, I would imagine they're very yeah. just classic, stereotypical westerns. Yeah, I, I didn't even make a note of them. I think I was just kind of laughing... Uh... And miss him mentioning actual movies, but I assume that they're real movies, so. Should we look them what up really they, quick uh, now? <laughs> Yellow Rose? Uh, Four for Texas and Yellow Rose of Texas. Well, Four for Texas is Frank Sinatra. This looks, uh, 
The cover looks very strange. People are riding on top of each other. On top, like riding sex, like a like what like the person on the bottom <laughs> is a horse, and they're on their hands and knees, and the other per- and the person is on top of them, like kind of riding. Oh, I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing it now. <laughs> <laughs> they're riding. Okay, so I found Yellow Rose of Texas, 1944. Director Joseph Kane, writer Jack Townley, uh, starring Roy Rogers. That says a lot. Uh, Roy, an insurance agent working undercover as a showboat singer, is awaiting the appearance of a supposed bank robber who has broken out of jail. Roy tries to recover the stolen money from the unassuming crook. And of course, there's romance. And then four for Texas is 1963, uh, starring Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. Anita Ekberg and Ursula Andress. Director Robert Aldrich. It's about sharpshooters Zach Thomas and Joe Jarrett are in a Texan stagecoach and manage to fight off Matson Ro- Matson's r- robber gang. So after they can fight over the one hundred thousand dollar cash carried by the railroad official. They sound like Texas movies. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that cover for four for Texas. That's something that we need to show our audience. Uh, that is, uh, huh? Well, they're real movies. We did <laughs> the research. It is now an IQ point. IQ point Boom. counts. <laughs> Boom. All right, so they are at Sheldon's house now, and Howard is sauntering in. Uh, he wants to blend in, and I like Roger's response. To what? Toy Story? <laughs> and like when you hear that and you look at him, you're like, he does kind of look looks like, like Woody. <laughs> it looks like Woody. And so the mom answers the door um, and H- Howard says, I could really use a Lone Star beer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of like King of the Hill where they're like an Alamo. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and she says there's no alcohol in the house and tells him to lose the hat and stop talking with an accent. Yeah. And he takes off the hat and is basically like, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> right? I'll take a diet Yoo-Hoo instead. <laughs> yes. And then she goes up to Raj and says, oh, you're still having trouble talking to the girls while well, there's a church healer who might uh, be able to help purge that third world demon out of you that's keeping you quiet. <laughs> and he's just like, mm. <laughs> maybe it will help. <laughs> And then uh, Leonard says, hey, we have to catch a red eye back. Let's um, get this over with, kind of. And she goes, a girl? And he goes, yeah. And she goes, good. We've been praying for you. (laughs) So that praying comes back in. And so Sheldon comes out, and they ask him to come back. And he goes, no, no, this is my home now. I'll stay here and teach evolution to creationists. And the mom says, everyone is titled to an opinion. And he goes, it's not opinion, it's fact. And he goes, that's your opinion. I am one point like Sheldon here. This um, this would send me packing. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> when, time uh, to go. <laughs> I find myself a little sensitive when people say evolution is an opinion. I remember my high school girlfriend, we would get into fights because she didn't believe in evolution. 
And I remember saying, like, you get a flu shot every year. Why is that? And she goes, well, the flu virus changes. I go, that's evolution. Like, and she goes, no, it's not the same. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I feel for Sheldon here. I would um, probably be like, okay, I forgive you guys. We're going home. <laughs> <laughs> and we flash forward to the ending. We are at Penny's. Leonard and Penny are in bed. They have finally caught a break. And Leonard starts going off with, why does this have to be weird? It doesn't have to be weird. We, uh, we're we friends, and friends can do this and move to something else, and it was special. And she's kind of nodding, but her face says no. And she goes, Leonard, it's weird. And he goes, it's totally weird. <laughs> and that's where it ends. So apparently, uh, even though they catch a break, it's not a real break, and we don't know where it's going to go from there. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. That's the end of episode one of All season right. three. We are almost knee deep in season three. We're testing the waters, let's just say. We're dipping our toe. It's episode yeah. one. We got some guest stars. We're, we're starting off. No, with I thought it was a strong start. I like that it just yeah. kind of carried on from where we left off. Um Mm-hmm. I like that they finally just kind of dove in. They're, they kind of just didn't mess around. Leonard and Penny just went for it. It's too bad that it's weird, but I guess we'll have to wait just... and see what happens. You know, yeah, make it work. You work through the weird. Yeah. And, uh, you, you pound through it. Yeah, you pound through it. <laughs> <laughs> you ride each other like horses until it's not weird. Four for Texas, baby. Far for Texas. <laughs> Anything else to add to this episode? I think that's all I have. Yeah, strong start. Uh, we're in season three. We're very excited to carry on with the rest of this season. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a fan. Don't forget to shoot us an email. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Gingerly tap that like button. Follow us on Instagram at Theoretical Nonsense Pod, also on TikTok as well. Email us at Theoretical Nonsense Pod at gmail.com. And we will see you next time when we discuss Season 3, Episode 2, The Jiminy Conjecture. <laughs> I thought I was going to say that wrong. <laughs> and if this comes out, uh, happy holidays, everyone. Yeah, happy holidays. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Um, whatever Ooh. holiday, if you celebrate happy them, Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah, Merry anything, Hanukkah. happy holidays. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Merry Krampus knock. <laughs> <laughs> this was Theoretical Nonsense, Big Bang Theory Watch Along Podcast. No PhD required. Our intro and outro music is by Alex and our logo is by John Kim. Thanks for listening. Gotcha. <laughs>